Abstract Athlete Podcast, a collision of art, sports, and science. Welcome, everyone. Thank you to all of you for taking the time to listen to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. To our amazing listeners and our sponsors, thank you for your support. If you have any questions, please send it to info at theabstractathlete.com. Remember, we have two other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge Podcast. Follow us on all of our social media platforms, and you can check out our websites. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, for information on subscription boxes and on upcoming events and workshops. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms. Very, very excited about our guest today as I get to speak with two incredible photographers, Hall of Fame and award-winning sports and NBA photographer, author, and host of Legends of Sport podcast, Andrew Bernstein, and our guy, an extraordinary photographer, former college and NFL great, and host of One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandrich podcast, Tony Mandrich. We're going to chat about their individual journeys, some people and poetic moments along the way that kind of shaped both of them and how they both became such fantastic photographers. Also, going to talk about their passions for mental wellness and how their you know, how their work really inspires us. Make sure to check out Andy's site on Instagram at ADB Photo Inc. and stop by his website, adbapi.com. Also, make sure to listen to his podcast, Legends of Sport, which you can also find on his website. And again, make sure to check out Tony at Tony Mandridge on Instagram and One Man's Ethos on Instagram. And you can also check out Tony's site, TonyMandrich.com. Let's welcome Andy Bernstein and Tony Mandrich. Hi, sir. Hey, what's up, man? I'm awesome. How are you? Good, man. Yeah. <laughs> Where are I'm, you, man? I'm, Where are you? I'm in Virginia. I'm in uh, Richmond. So we're. We're not as good weather as you guys are having, I'm, I'm assuming. It hadn't been bad, but I'm originally an Ohio guy, um, and so I'm a big Buckeye. So yeah. Mandrich and I have a little little fight about the jokingly, of course, but he actually says he wanted to go to Ohio State. So Funny. Yeah. Well, good to see you. Yeah. No, this is, I like, I've been really looking forward to this because, um, you know, just since since I popped on the urine brothers and uh, that clubhouse thing, I, I was like, wow, wouldn't it be cool to get you and Mandrich on just for the photography stuff. But right. I, I still think like, you know, I'm interested to hear like how you like, you know, want talk about like the mental wellness component um, mm-hmm. really about like a lot of the stuff that, you know, you, you do on your, podcast which i think is like really fascinating stuff Thanks, but i just think it's like really you know again like you both are such incredible photographers and yeah coming from different places it's just i just think it's going to be like really fun <laughs> well i do too i'm very uh excited and intrigued by it yeah. you know <laughs> tony's work is amazing and um what a what a pivot he did in his career and his life right yeah 
Yeah. No, it's a, we like we're we've been like really lucky. Um, I I continue. We started the abstract athlete um, maybe four years ago, mm-hmm. and reached out to him a bunch of times, and finally, like we just connected, and 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 it's yeah. been just like an, an incredible kind of you know relationship that's been budding, and and it's been really mm-hmm. fun uh, finding we work with veterans as well, but finding other athletes that have this really true creative outlet, even though Mm -hmm. most people should, that's kind of what we're trying to promote. Right. Um, and Tony's just been like absolutely incredible with us and, and is just so honest and vulnerable. And, um, it's just, it, you know, like, it's been, it's been, yeah, it's, I, I don't even know the right words to say because it's been, yeah, you know, like inspi- he was, it's inspiring. Yep. He's, yeah. he's been, you know, like he was kind of a hero guy growing up because yeah. of, of, um, where, you know, like how we would look up to him and stuff. And mm-hmm. it's just been really fun. Um, yeah. and, and finding, finding different people, uh, that we get to connect with and, mm-hmm. And it's yeah. been, it's been kind of funny, like Jay Demerit, you know, who played on the U.S. soccer team and he played in the Premier League. He's a designer, mm-hmm. and we connected with him. Yeah. And then finding out, and we put them in, him and Tony in a show together, like an exhibition, and finding out that Jay like, had a, such like a huge respect and and love of Mandridge growing up, and I actually got them on a phone call together and it was just really funny to have them you having this conversation about, you know, green Bay and, and growing up and stuff. So it's, it's been, you know, it's, I don't want to like boil it down to the hashtag more than an athlete thing, but it, there, it it is kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, promoting that and, and allowing people to see these athletes that that's all they see them, but they're, they mm-hmm. do these incredible things. Yeah. And, um, yeah, for sure. And here he is. And I'm recording. And I, I start out recording just blasting awesome. away. Gentlemen. Howdy, sir. How you doing? Hey, Tony. How are you? Good. How are you, Andy? Good, man. Pleasure Good. to meet you on here. Yeah, you too. Where Where are you? In Arizona? Yeah, I'm in uh, North Scottsdale slash Phoenix. Very nice. Almost by the city line, almost at state line. Well, I was having, uh, I was having a, a hankering for getting in the car and driving out and seeing a game, you know, because they're letting fit some fans in. Yes, with and, the spring uh, training. Yeah, my buddy's the Dodgers photographer. He took over for me, and he's like, "Yeah, come out." That's awesome. I might do it. I might do it. If you do, let me know. <laughs> Is that a four? Grab coffee. Yeah, that'd be great, man. That'd be great. Yeah. Be, be yeah. Great. I- See that—that's my thing. My—I'm a baseball guy. Like I got my mm-hmm. New York Mets pennant back there. Yeah. <laughs> this is the I year they win it. the World Series. This is it. This is the year they win the World Series. I'm, t- I'm calling it right now. Which so, World Series? '86 or or '69? <laughs> I was there for '69 when I was 11 years old. That's a whole other. Story. Yeah, you're a Brooklyn guy, right? Yeah. 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 No, I'm—I was one in '69. Uh, but I—I—the I, the, '69 team was the reason that I became a Met fan. I was at a baseball camp when I think I was about mm-hmm. 10 years old and yeah. it was a rain out day and we went inside and watched videos of the 69 Mets. And I was like, that's it. And oh, I always wanted to play for the Mets. I got, had the opportunity out of high school to get drafted by the Indians 
And yeah. my, my parents wanted me to go to school. So I went and played baseball at Ohio State for a year and realized I should not be in school mm. at that time. So mm. then I became yeah. a rock singer. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, then I, I became an a rock star. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to be. I wanted to be Bud Harrelson. There you go. I wore number three in everything I did, but I was always the shortest kid on the block. So my baseball <laughs> dreams never made it. <laughs> but that's the beauty of baseball. There's like there's not a size a size issue. I always think. Yeah, it's interesting. But I who's like the guy that, yeah. Who was the guy that played for the Twins? Pocket, Pocket, yeah, Kirby Pocket. I loved him. Boy, could he hit that ball? Yeah, he was good, man. I was at a game in Milwaukee that he played in. That he went six for six. He hit two home runs, and he stole a grand slam right in front of. Like, you know, I could have like caught the ball. It was like crazy. And he's like five. He was like five nine. Yeah, 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 huge, huge. But, you know, just I'm recording, Tony, as I always do, like right off the bat. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but I just again, I want to say thank you to both of you for doing this. Um, I met Andy kind of through Clubhouse that him and his brother have been doing weekly rooms. I uh, mm-hmm. Right. And, and you, yeah. you, you were talking a lot about like mental health, mental wellness. And you're a fantastic photographer. And I thought, man, wouldn't it be cool to put Andy and Tony on a podcast together and geek out about photography, but also to talk about like mental health and, and kind of like how your guys things overlap, because in a lot of ways, there's a lot of similarities to what you guys are doing. You're both incredible photographers. You both do podcasts. You both have really interesting histories and, I don't even know really truly where to start. Like, I feel like I'm a fly on the wall. <laughs> well, I know I, I, I find it interesting when you started talking about great photography, I was thinking about Andy, then when you start talking about mental illness, you thought of me right away. No, 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 no. It's the photography thing. <laughs> I think there's a lot of overlap on both with both of us. Cody, so it's all good. <laughs> That's funny, man. But it, it, it is like, cause I think, you know, you both are such incredible photographers in, in different ways, but there's definitely overlap with, with some sports stuff. Um, and I, you know, like as Tony knows, and, and maybe Andy, you like looked at some of the stuff I sent, you know, we like to work in that space of how creativity can inspire us. Mm-hmm. And, and so yeah. what you guys do in that world, I think is a, it's like super important to, kids to adults to everybody and and just the histories of of you know like the storytelling you both are authors like you know like the stuff that you've done andy with with kobe bryant in his book and and phil jackson and like just how like story like photography is such a storytelling device uh that it doesn't even need words you know and and so some of those things i think can play into like how we how we have a conversation too but i you know really truly like i don't even know where to start except for you know (laughs) histories i guess we can just start about your past like i know tony's story about how he got into photography but i still think it is like truly like a really important thing to tell again because how you got into photography is fascinating andy i think how you got into it i i have no idea but i think that would be like really interesting place to start maybe well, Tony, you go first because uh, I think your story is more compelling than mine. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure. Um, 
Well, it's a, it's a privilege to be on here with you as a guest. Um, and Ron, uh, thanks for having us. Um, you know, for me, the it's 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 ironic looking back because it ends up being like the moment that kind of makes me have the aha moment um, is the sport it's the Sports Illustrated cover photo shoot, and it's mm. on the breaking rocks at Venice Beach, uh, and uh, Ron, the photographer's name slipped my mind. Ron Madra, no. Uh, the gentleman is a professor at Syracuse University now. Oh, um, I'll I'll research while we oh, keep talking. I can't believe I can't remember his name because <laughs> yeah. he because he was he's in my browser. Like I have a in my you know if you bookmark something you know it's good like for you right. So yeah. I have a folder where I've bookmarked photographers. So I have like six or seven that I really like like their style and and they inspire me. And his was one of them, mm-hmm. and I didn't know that he was the guy that did my cover. And I found this out two years ago. Like I could have like found out by looking on the inside cover of that 89 cover, you know, with the photo credit. Yeah. But I never really was inspired to find that out. I just remembered that there were, he was doing test shots. And as you remember, uh, the Polaroids, there was no look at the histogram, look at the back of the camera, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he was doing shots with the, with the uh, Polaroid test shots. And then, he said, you know, everything's ready. Everything's set. I and mean, he had diffusers out. He had strobes out and it was outside and pulled per- I mean, it was Sports Illustrated back then before the internet. So it was a, it was a bigger budget probably. <laughs> and so they had permits, everything like there was everything, sandbags everywhere. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, 19, 20, 21 year old, you know, football player, athlete. And, um, with an out of control ego. Right. <laughs> and he, and he, and I say to, he goes, okay, we just need to wait 10 more minutes. He goes, everything is right. We just need to wait 10 more minutes for the sun to go down a little bit more. And I said, well, do you, do you mind if I take a look at that Polaroid just so I have an idea of what it looks like? <laughs> and when he showed me the Polaroid, it was the moment that got me. And it was really the shape of the, how he shaped the light is what mm-hmm. it got, what really got me because to the naked eye, it was so bright out. Mm-hmm. Even though it was sunset, everything was like nicely lit, evenly lit. It was it was very pretty. Yeah. But in the photo, he had like dramatic shadow, I'm sure from diffusers and, and flags or whatever he was using. Yeah. Um, but I was like, how did you do that? And I'm sure he explained it, you know, briefly. But <laughs> he's like, this guy's not going to remember. <laughs> but I was like, that moment, that piqued my interest so profoundly that you know, it inspired me to, you know, buy a camera. And and even though when you're playing football at that, you know, you get drafted and everything's the hubbub about football, you're consumed with your sport. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, photography was there and, and that desire and that, uh, that passion to do it was there, but uh, my life was just so consumed with football. And then obviously, you know, um, drugs and alcohol. So mm. it, it, uh, but that that the light, the shape of the light, how you shape the light is really what peaks. But even today is is more interesting to me than whether it's a Canon or a Nikon or, you know, it doesn't matter what the brand is or yeah. it's like, look, they make some pretty darn good. Everybody makes pretty darn good cameras now. I mean, not everybody, but there's a lot of good camera makers that are affordable with good lenses. Yeah. Some yeah. specialize in certain things better than others. Some in low light, you know, some for, you know. Milky Way stuff, some for portrait stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, we get it. I get it. There's great websites for reviews, but it's the light doesn't really change very much. I mean, 
how you shape that light, you know, yeah. and if it's in, if it's inside, you know, with the strobes, it's, you know, uh, the size of the modifier and this, mm-hmm. whether it's a strobe and I've, I've, I've been lucky to be surrounded by two, actually two photographers that kind of took me under their wing, Paul Marco and Joel Grimes. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they really, I don't think they know each other. They may have met before, but two totally different styles. Um, but they both said to me one thing where they were like, remember this. And it was, it was, it was interesting because the other guy didn't know the other guy said it either. And he always said the, the, the source of your light, how big the source of your light is, depends on the softness of the light. You know, how close the source is to the subject depends on the softness of the light. And then they would use the example of, now granted the sun is huge, but the sun is like a pinpoint so far away. And that's where you get that hard light, say with a hat, you know, kind of as as an example. But they both said that, it always stuck with me. And it really taught me to reverse engineer a lot of lighting. Um, well, I think it's fascinating that your your uh, sort of bug about photography got started on a shoot that was about you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, you talked about Polaroids, Tony. People probably have no idea what we're talking about, right? But you and I know, Ron. We're I think we're educating him. No, but, I used to have a Polaroid. <laughs> yeah, but back back in the day, you know, we did Polaroids. I got a Polaroid story to tell you, right? So I'm a young photographer. Um, just starting to sort of kind of make a little move in the business, you know, and it was probably my second year, Magic's third year. And uh, I got my first real commercial shoot with Magic. It was a um, it was an ad for Converse and it was a, kind of an involved set. It was like Magic had to be and this is before Photoshop, you know, so Magic right. had to be like like sort of like walking across the earth, you know, and they were going to, I don't know how they were going to do it, but we had to shoot it on a seamless, you know, and then have him on these Apple boxes to look like it's the world, you know? So he was doing the commercial, the video part or film part. I don't even know if it's video those days. And uh, that, you know, he's going to come over to me and we had a relationship and he knew me and everything. But, you know, I was nervous. It was my first big commercial shoot. There's an art director there. There's all kinds of people, his agent and stuff. And uh, he comes over and I had done some test shots, you know, and I, I go and I pick up the camera with the Polaroid back on it. And he and he looks at me, he goes, what are you doing? And I said, uh, I need to do a Polaroid test. He goes, uh-uh. He goes, when I come on your set, we don't do Polaroids. You, he says, you be ready. <laughs> <laughs> Never did a Polaroid again of Mr. Magic Johnson ever. Holy smokes. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. And I told him years later, you know, I said, You scared the shit out of me, man. I mean, what are you trying to do to me? That is <laughs> he goes, too it worked, funny. didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that is too funny. He's yeah. a Michigan Stater. Yeah, true story, man. Yeah. Well, wow, that's uh, a great story. Yeah. But Tony, your story is so fascinating to me i mean um just the pivot you know that you made in your life and your career and uh ron i don't mean to steal the no the, hey i'm a fly on the out of this. but you know learning about you tony and and, and let, one other thing that photo shoot was not the cover correct that was not the cover that they used was it um you know it, it um it was that 
it was that set. It was that series. Okay, okay. This picture I saw was not the picture that went on the cover. Oh, okay, all right. Because Great. the picture that I saw had was way more dramatic than the one they put on the cover. Oh, okay, yeah. In my in, in my opinion, I think they were saturated the one on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> Especially looking back now, like you're really critical. It's Gregory. But they weren't asking my opinion. Gregory Heisler right. is that who it was? <laughs> Gregory yes, Heisler? Yes. Oh, Heisler, yes. one of the great. He teaches yes. in Syracuse now? Yeah. Wow. I believe yeah, last time I checked and he was he he was interviewed when uh ESPN did the E60 mm-hmm. a year and a half, 2 years ago. Yeah. Um I can't believe I could remember his name, but well, he's one of the he's, ever. Yeah, he's iconic. He's yeah. iconic. Wow, amazing. Yeah, I I I followed him and wanted to be like him. I was never very good at uh portraiture. Is my the least of my um in my rep- repertoire, it's way down at the bottom. Um, you know, nobody really looked to me. I mean, I've done my share of portraits over the years, but I was never like the creative guy. And that's what fascinates me also about your work, because looking at your site and the, and the work that you do, first of all, you're a master at lighting. And I don't Thank say you. that lightly. Thank you. Um, so whoever helped you along the way, kudos to them. But you really embraced it. But the way that you, um, the the emotion that I feel when I see your photos, and as as photographers, we know that that's rule one, right? You have to elicit an emotion from the viewer, and we photographers are a little more critical of each other, I think. So, um, really amazing work, man. I think it's terrific. Thank you. I, you know, it's uh, it, it's the two guys I mentioned, you know, Paul Marco and and uh, Joel Grimes. Mm-hmm. both totally different styles one's commercial lifestyle lifestyle advertising stuff hotels and spas and stuff and, and life you know just stuff like that and when joel grimes is like a lot of composite stuff like out of this world stuff and and just you know in your face and i just love i love both i loved learning the whole spectrum and you know continue learning every day yeah but um, both of them taught me so much. I mean, Paul Marco, one time we shot, we had a photo shoot up in Wickenburg at this one horse ranch that was kind of like a high-end spa getaway that a lot of people don't know about. Mm-hmm. And Wickenburg's like an hour from here, from North Scottsdale. And uh, so we would drive up every morning and it was, it was pretty much a five or six day shoot mm-hmm. with an art director that he had worked with forever. And um, he had had that account. And uh, I'll never forget, well, the, at the end of that shoot, we were driving back. It was, it was night. It was already dark. And we're driving Paul's uh, car. And, and I'm asking him, you know, when you shot that chef this way, why did you have me do this with the light? Because I didn't know. And I didn't want to ask him while he's shooting, right? Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and he says, you know, you make my ears bleed. You ask so many questions. <laughs> That's how you learn, right? That's how he you goes, learn. but you know what? He goes, you ask me more questions than any assistant has ever <laughs> asked me in my life. And he said, and because of that, he goes, you will make it if you apply these things. Yeah. Wow. You know, yeah. But, 
So Tony, there's, there's um, my former assistant way back in the, I don't even know when, late 80s, early 90s, who has been in Phoenix for a long time. He's the Suns photographer and the, the arena photographer, Barry Gossage. I reached out to him and, and he said he had met you a couple of times a few okay. years ago. Okay. But um, if you ever need me to to facilitate another meeting, you know, he's one of, one of the great guys, awesome. a character beyond characters, but I right. love him to death and a fantastic photographer. And you talk about, uh, he, Barry is underrated, I must say, in, in the realm of portraiture because he is fantastic. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Well, definitely. Guy. Yeah. We gotta, I, I, gotta, I gotta make that connection with him. Yeah, happy to do if, Especially if it's here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, you know, getting back to the emotion part of the, I mean, you know, I, I think, I mean, I think you'll both relate to this, like, um, when I look at my body of work over the years, um, it's definitely been a direct, like I, it's been a direct reflection of some point of, in my life. Mm. Um, and that's why there's a lot of dark, dramatic pictures. Because mm -hmm. there was a lot of darkness for years. I mean, there was a decade, pretty much a decade of darkness. Mm. And then, and then you know, you'll see pictures that are, more a little bit you know uplifting or, or a little bit lighter or whatever mm. um, or whatever the case may be but with the compositing when i saw what joel was doing i was like you know there's literally now no limit to what you can do yeah, yeah. it's just a matter of what's between your ears yeah and um and and that's where i just did a lot of self-assignments joel joel was like one of joel says he's not he says he just works his butt off. Right. And he's like, he's like, yeah. Okay. So I have some creativity. He goes, I'm not, I don't have like massive creativity. I'm sitting there like rolling my eyes going like, no, yeah. I mean, this, you know, you got a lot of creativity and you can, and you teach well. And, yeah. but he's like, you know, it's just, it's showing up doing the work. And he said, self-assignments. He mm -hmm. said, he said that he tries to do realistically 30 to 40 self-assignments a year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one time I think he did 52. Like there was a time period where he did 52 where he made himself do one a week. And then he found, but he was also getting good jobs then, right? Mm -hmm. Bigger jobs. So it would take up his time. Mm -hmm. But I found that I got, I get more work, commercial work or private work from the images with that are my self assignments that are yeah. on my website. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, because people say, can you do something like that with mm -hmm. me or with yeah. this project or something? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'd say 75 to 80% of those pictures that people are that you know, the art director or whoever is talking about, they're talking about something that was a self assignment that I wanted to do and, and test out. Cause there's, you, you, I don't know if you saw that one, whole abstract one there was a whole abstract series of five pictures like that's just not my that's not my style of photography yeah i get more views and more clicks and more click throughs on those sets of images than any of my other images and that was one day i just said i have no idea what i'm going to self um self-assign this weekend but this is i'm going to do something and i'm going to just do something that i'm just not comfortable with and that's out, you know outside the realm of anything i've ever done mm -hmm. and i just looked around and i saw like this like a stretchy material and <laughs> grabbed yeah. the model and yeah. said okay put this just over you and just 
I don't know. Pretend yeah, like you're. Those, those are the ones that I gravitated towards because we yeah. talked about those. <clears throat> I yeah. think those are stunning. Images. Yeah, they are. They're amazing. And I think people people um, get attracted to your work because they can see the passion in those uh, self assignments because those are coming not, not through somebody else or somebody else's, right. you know, interpretation of what they want you to do or your interpretation yeah. of that, but your own creative juice you know yeah so, yeah yeah, I mean, yeah it's interesting it's, oh. um today i was on a sorry ron i was on a clubhouse today and they the subject was being in the zone for athletes you know and then it sort of expanded to uh you don't have to be an athlete to be in the zone and you as a former athlete i think it goes without saying there were times when you felt you were in the zone right i mean it had to have been yeah you to achieve the elite status that you did do you ever feel that as a photographer like you're just in the flow and it's like you yes. got no idea what time it is you don't that's, care you know right that's my answer that's how i know <laughs> i'm in the zone i lose i lose literally literally lose track of time wow there <laughs> we go the flow yeah i'm the flow yeah. No, but I think I that that's that is like one of the what I, andy you almost said kind of the same thing like that relationship to your sports history and your your motivation obviously comes through your athletic stuff that you put onto your photography. Mm -hmm. I would mm -hmm. say like that you you are a motivated person, and I think that that shows. Yeah, you know, those self assignments yeah. like that's a big problem for creative people that aren't used to or are used to having people tell them what to do, mm -hmm. but when it comes to doing it yourself, it's like a lot of people don't have that motivation to do that. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. And it also came up today. And this made me laugh because it was so true. Somebody asked a question in the room. Can, um, can you be in the zone, like in your professional life and have your personal life be an absolute wreck at the same time? <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, welcome to like three decades of my life. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I didn't say anything because, it, you know, there were people there I didn't know and stuff, but it just, I'm sure you can relate to that, yeah, right? I can. And, and although I have noticed that when things are better at home, I'm in the zone more, mm, mm -hmm, mm. Um, you know, and it, you know, I'm listening. Yeah. I mean, let's not, I mean, I'm not going to call say it lightheartedly. Photography is work. I mean, it's work. Although I'll say to myself, I, I have a hard time calling it work since it's something I love to do. But I love football, and that was work too. Right. So exactly. it is work and the preparation. And and I found myself, I never would have thought this, you know, as I was early, early in photography, that the more I ended up learning, that the least amount of time that I would be spending would be actually taking the pictures. Mm -hmm. Most of it would be the ideas you know, writing them down, brainstorming them verbally, creatively, you know, with, with somebody else or, or just even with that person that you're going to shoot with that's volunteering their time so they can get stuff for their portfolio or whatever it is. Or even if it's, you know, shooting, you know, time lapse yeah, or, or something like that, whether it's time lapse, whether it's Milky Way stuff, whether it's Milky Way stuff with motion, you know, all this stuff, yeah. it, it's just a matter of taking the time to learn it. And it's not rocket science. Mm -hmm. It's 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 some of it's come. It, there's a lot of moving parts, mm -hmm. but it's not rocket science. And it's um, and I sometimes will say that, and then I'll look back and be like, no, it's 
pretty freaking hard. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you got to know. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that, that I, I always say this when I talk to classes or I teach my class or whatever, that I'm a, I'm a professional photographer by trade. That's my business. That's what I do. But I don't spend, I don't think I spend 10% of my professional life with my eyeball in the camera, you know, <laughs> like 95% of my time is doing all the other crap to right. support, <laughs> right? support, you know, making a living. And yeah. it's crazy, right? Yeah. And I never would have thought that, early, you know, early on, I always would have been like, you know, most of my time will literally be behind that camera. Yeah. No, and it's, it's the least amount, almost the least amount of time. It's no yeah, different I mean, than, an, than, than a sport. It's like you practice five days yeah. a week and then you have the game it's the same yeah thing. yeah yeah but like if you're an accountant you know 100 percent of your time you're sitting behind the desk crunching numbers my wife's a lawyer it's the same thing you know um it's just people don't really get it you know even right. if you're a painter you're painting most of the time you yeah know, right there you go yeah it's true yeah. it's true i mean i do a yeah. little a little photoshop stuff to like plot out what i'm thinking yeah. but it never looks exactly what i'm plotting on the phone right. <laughs> right well and i you know once photo, you know photo once digital kind of i want to say it happened i don't know maybe 10 years ago it, it kind of maybe less than 10 years ago it kind of became the quality of what film is mm -hmm. and kind of then surpassed it and then the now with raw and shooting x amount of pixels and having all this information and then the manipulation tools from everything from Capture One to Photoshop to everything to Lightroom to everything in between. Mm -hmm. It's like you're you really are limitless on what you can do. And it's just a matter of what is between the ears. And that's yeah. what's really like if you can kind of create that and put it on a canvas or you know on a website or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of like that expression. I always say when people are you know, scrolling through Instagram and they're swiping down, swiping down, looking through, you know, people that they follow. Mm -hmm. I want to be that picture where you're swiping, 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 you stop and you go back up one because it's like, why did that catch my attention? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, um, it, those are the pictures I want to take. Right, right, right. Did you ever shoot film, Tony? Or it was film? I, I did, but it was it was before it was before there was a conscious thought of becoming a photographer, like, a you know, to do it as a, as a living, ah, um, okay. digital and digital had just come out when I, when I started getting kind of serious about it, but it wasn't even close to the quality of film. Yeah. I know. I, I went kicking and screaming into the digital era. I mean, I seriously, I, I, I protested and, and I almost like, I, almost, <laughs> I remember there was one NBA finals and they said, well, you got to do like two or two or three of your remotes have to be digital. And I no, there's not, I'm not doing it. And I, you know, almost had a sit in and, anyway. <laughs> but you know, behind me in these, in these five, where here, these filing cabinets is all film. It's all right. film. Sometimes they just go visit it. You know, <laughs> it's right, like right. pull out a slide page and I hold on to it. I'm like, yeah. you know, I can tangibly hold something that I created yeah. I have a problem with digital that I can't do that. You know, that's, yeah. that's just the old guy and me talking, I guess. <laughs> and I totally get it. It's like when I write things down, I would much rather do it with pencil and paper than with, than on a word document. Mm -hmm. I, it just makes it something I get, like I can came out of my hand. Yeah. Even though I could say, well, my fingers are touching the, you know, keys of the, of the typing, 
But it's like when I write it, I think it's much more powerful when you take it, that picture. And, and I think archives like that you have behind you, mm -hmm. I think are like so like cool. And what makes them even cooler is as time keeps going, they're rarer and rarer. Yeah. I, and they become I, more, you know, epic. I, yeah. I think that's actually really interesting. Like, do you, you know, I think most people think that digital has made things easier. Like, do you think, Andy, that it ha that's what I was curious. Like when you just said something, it kind of really kind of registered with me that it's actually, it's more work, isn't it? I, I can't find a goddamn thing. I I mean, I sound like my dad. I swear to God, my dad, this is one of his expressions. God bless him. Rest in peace. But I could never, I'm like, you know, where is that shot of magic? Or where is that Kobe? Where is that cover? It drives me absolutely out of my mind. I must have like 900 freaking hard drives around here. <laughs> and, my, and to make it worse, because of, of the pandemic my assistant and the interns can't come in to the office because la county you can't have people working right. so i'm like left i'm like i'm like left out flailing <laughs> around the middle of the ocean trying to figure <laughs> shit out <laughs> yeah it's it's uh it's almost it, it's it was it was very important early on to get a um kind of like a system like I, i'm sure you have a system for your you know your all of your archived film photos or slides no <laughs> yeah. i have a system of complete confusion is my system <laughs> my system is hey veronica where the hell is that picture and thank god she's got a system and she right. out something in dropbox and she's got right. Because she knows that I'll, I'll, I, you know, I don't have any hair left. But if I had any, I'd be continually pulling it out. Right. More. I mean, it's just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have I, enough hair for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> I lost mine a long time ago. <laughs> so Tony, you go ahead. No, go ahead, Ron. Go ahead, well, I was go gonna. Ahead. I was just gonna ask you, like, how did you get in into this media? Like, what was yeah. your kind of impetus to to jumping in? Well, it's interesting, man. I, I, you know, I'm 14 years old and my dad bought me a camera for my 14th birthday. And uh, my dad was a, was a psychologist and uh, he taught in Brooklyn College also. And so we decided to make a trip. Well, he decided and I just I went with him uh, to make a trip to the Western United States, which I had never been to. I hadn't really never gone further than New Jersey, you know, and we went out to all the national, not all, most of the national parks. We, we flew to Calgary, Alberta, rented a car, drove through Banff and all the way down to the Grand Canyon and then all the way up the West Coast and up in Vancouver. For wow. Two and a half weeks. It was, I don't know, 1,600 miles or something. So anyway, so you, uh, Tony, you'll appreciate this, I'm sure. So back in the day, you used to shoot Kodachrome film, mm -hmm. right? And you'd buy Kodachrome with a mailer. And it was this yellow mailer, right? right? That you would literally shoot the film, put it in a prepaid mailer, boom, yeah. like this envelope in any post office in America. It would end up in Rochester, New York, which is the only place that process Kodachrome right. and then a little box like this was sent to your house with the slides in it right, right. so my dad bought I don't know 60 rolls of film and we're shooting it and you know and I'm putting it in my envelopes and he's putting it in his envelopes and, and I really took to photography I loved it I love the fact that I could think of something in my head and see see something especially beautiful landscapes yeah 
see it and then translate it through the camera, mm. you know? And so we get home two and a half weeks later and there's all these <laughs> yellow boxes like piled up. They're just all together, piled up. I remember by the entryway of our house and we start rifling through them, you know, my dad's like, Oh, look at this picture of grand Canyon. Look at this picture. I took of Yosemite. Look at this picture. I took of, of uh, old faithful. And I like, oh, hold on a second, dad. <laughs> let me, let me see that box. And he gives me the box. And I, I'm like, dad, this isn't your film. This is my film. Cause you're in the, picture. you're in the pictures. <laughs> So, so he says to me, says, wow, kid, you buy, you have a pretty good eye, you know, because my dad was super competitive about everything, you know, and he, he didn't uh, want to be outshot by a 14 year old. Right. So that just, uh, you know, that lit the fire. And then a buddy of mine that then I went into my, I think, sophomore year of high school, had a dark room in his basement. A buddy of mine, Andrew Feldman, little house in Brooklyn, but in the basement, he had built a dark room and he took me down there. And I will never forget the first time I saw the print, the image come up in yeah. the developer under the, you know, orange light. Isn't that cool? I, I thought I was, uh, it was like a magic trick. I said, how right. did that happen? I mean, really, had <laughs> <laughs> and it was amazing. And ever since that moment, I had a camera around my neck every day at school and right. ended up going to the University of Massachusetts and we had a daily paper there. And I transferred out of there to Art Center in Pasadena where I was the black sheep of my class because nobody nobody did sports photography. And I, by then I decided I wanted to be a sports photographer. Right. But you tell, you know, tell me a Brooklyn guy can't do something. They, you know, Watch me. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I had two teachers that really believed in me and they're mentors and friends to this day. Um, and uh, one of them introduced me to a Sports Illustrated photographer. And that was my first sort of foray into that world and all of a sudden, I'm now working for other Sports Illustrated photographers, schlepping lenses around football fields. I mean, you remember, you know, seeing those oh, photographers yeah. kneeling down yeah. with the giant lenses. Yeah. I was the guy who was schlepping those lenses around. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? That's almost like it. That's a necessary thing. I mean, it's one of those things, that, in my opinion, that is a necessary. It's one of those necessary, not it's not my, you know, not favorable job to do because you're carrying lenses around for somebody yes. else shooting. But it's like it really does make you appreciate a lot of things and it makes you learn a lot of things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It makes you like, I'd always watch uh, Paul or, or, or Joel. I would watch them what like looking around, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. like they're constantly, you know, taking in information on like looking for something to use right. as a, as an element or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I watched the other photographers. I watched where they position themselves. Yeah. I, you know, like, why, why are you behind the play in the opposite end zone, you know? Right. And lo and behold, there'd be a fumble or there'd be some crazy play, right. you know, and they would get that. And right, right. You know, Walter, Walter Yost, the, one of the godfathers of sports photography, says that, uh, you know, that luck, luck is a testament of preparation and, and knowing your game and, yeah. and taking risks. You know, the, yeah. you got that famous Dwight Clark shot, you know, the one. Oh. The catch. So cool. He was the only photographer in the end zone to get that picture because he had watched Joe Montana do that over and over again in practice because he'd been in, like, sort of embedded with the 49ers. And he knew it was third and whatever that he was going to throw that play, that, right. that pass, and he knew where to be. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. What a great story. Yeah, it's true, though. It's yeah. Day.
<laughs> that is awesome. Quick reminder, make sure to check out Andy's site on Instagram at ADB Photo Inc. and stop by his website, adbapi.com. Also, make sure to listen to his podcast, Legends of Sport. And remember to check out Tony Mandrich and One Man's Ethos on Instagram. And you can stop by his website, TonyMandrich.com. Also, make sure to listen to our other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandrich Podcast. Now, back to Andy and Tony. I mean, you, Andy, you've like photographed all sports, and, and, and Tony, you do different, you know, like landscapes, uh, portraiture. Like, I mean, is there something that's f- your favorite? Like, Andy, maybe favorite sport. Like, Tony, maybe favorite, you know, like, I don't know, idea. Is, <laughs> is there something in that? I mean, it's a, well, it's a bad neighborhood up here. Yeah. So there's a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of ideas that are scary. <laughs> oh, I printed one of them I out. Remember, remember? I do remember Andy saying, "You got to take risks." Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> take risks once in a while. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I'm known, really, kind of known for my basketball photography. That's kind of made my mark. And, um, but I, I'll tell a secret here to you guys. I, I, I like hockey more, <laughs> and I grew up a hockey fan. And I love shooting hockey. Um, it's incredibly challenging. You know, we, we have a little hole like this where we can only oh, stick right. the lens and you that's can only right. go like that. And we're shooting on strobes. And, you know, I only get one shot every four seconds. You got to anticipate. Last hockey game I was at, a guy whipped the puck around and, and cracked my lens. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that literally happened last week. Um, but I love it. I love the rush of it. You know, basketball is great, but, but for me, it's a little bit more predictable. Yeah. Um, and that's why and I got out of, is, yeah, that's why I got out of baseball because baseball was driving me nuts. I couldn't, <laughs> I just couldn't bear it. You know, nine and challenging enough. Like eventually it was waiting, it was, waiting yeah. you know, you yeah. literally might not be a picture the entire game. Right. Like, I mean, there's pictures, but then there's right. pictures, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I agree. I think that, you know, for, for me, it's like, I got into like, a lot of people will ask me, do I only shoot fitness people? And I'm like, no, like I shoot a lot of, why do you ask me if I only shoot fitness people? Cause a lot of the people that are in your portfolio are into yeah. fitness. And I was like, well, I shoot, I used to shoot eight years for the NPC, the national physique committee. So it's like the biggest amateur organization in the country that does bodybuilding shows, bikini, like they all do bikini, all those shows. Right. So I would, and that's like pretty much, I don't want to say, um, how can I say it nicely? It's pretty, (laughs) once you got your ISO and everything down and (laughs) they're coming to that spot, they're standing, you're clicking, they're moving. And it's like that for like 400 athletes. Yeah. Right. So it's not like there's only not so much creativity you can do, but the, thing was is i would be you know uploading eight nine thousand of these after a two-day uh weekend of of that show and then a lot of, and then i would get clients from that show that would want to do photo shoots and obviously there a lot of them were fit so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then i would post 
pictures and and like the ones that I really like that I felt could get me jobs. And because I'm like thinking then like an art director, right? Or I'm thinking like a company would think. Yeah. And and then I realized, well, yeah, I guess I do kind of have a lot of stuff of people that are fit, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but that's, but that's but, what you hang your hat on, you know. That's yeah. What you're known yeah. for. And, yeah. And and I think, you know, to my I always kind of looked at it as an advantage, you know, whether you're a bodybuilder getting ready to walk on stage or whether you're in an NFL locker room getting ready for a pregame warm-up or getting ready to go out for the national anthem or kickoff or whether you're in the NBA, it doesn't matter what sport. There's that moment or that couple minutes that athletes have that they go through and they're reflecting either and everybody does it differently. There's some guys with headphones on. There's some guys in the playbook going over the last few bits. There's some guys just quiet, right? So I felt like that was in that realm of that I shoot of some sport that I've had that advantage because I would, I could take that person there. I could communicate that to them and be like, go, you know what you feel like when you're at before kickoff and you're getting ready and you know, you put in all this work and now, you know, and, and your family's there and, you know, it's like, now you're kind of clearing your mind and, and it's like, I feel like I can take people there. So like I can build that rapport to get them to trust me. So they will be uninhibited to be themselves mm -hmm. because when they are themselves, those are the best pictures. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, they're, they're like, sometimes I'll get somebody on camera and I'm like, who is this person? Like, yeah. this is, who are you? I don't even know who you are. Yeah. You know? And they're well, like, well, I'm so, you know, yeah. I've watched America's top model. <laughs> right. But that, you know, that could be their own, as we say in Yiddish, their own Mishigas, you know, that yes. they, they're not comfortable. They, whatever but yeah. you know the fact that you said something key there that you've been there you know might not have been there there but you were there in terms of the what it felt like in that moment yeah. um i i mean i don't have that you know i've been witness to that but I, i've never been in that moment right. You know? right and you know when i see for example like when i see kobe meditating during the national anthem while he's standing there on the court, you know, at an NBA finals game with all that pressure on him, then I'm thinking, wow, like my heart rate's going like this, you know, and he's just like that. Like, how can I do that? <laughs> and I asked him that. And he, he, he said, look, man, I, I just put everything else away. You know, and it's just in, I'm in the moment. I'm in yeah. present moment. And I, and I, I have to do that too. And you do too. I'm sure when you're working, you know, there's no distraction. There's no anything. Yeah. People used to think I was the most arrogant guy because all the photographers, they all talk to each other and they're kibitzing. And some of them even like riding the referees. And, you know, right. it's like, and I don't talk to anybody. Even right. to this day, I, you know, well, there's no other photographers except me on the court right now. Right. But <laughs> non-pandemic, I don't right. talk to anybody because the second I talk to you, I'm going to miss that. You right. know what I mean? So exactly. it's just yeah. the way it works. Yeah, yeah, you're looking. You're already looking for the next shot. Yeah, that you're gonna take, and if you're distracted with talking to somebody, you're not gonna see what's coming. No, I might as well be home on my couch. Exactly. You know? I mean, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think we have. Uh, I mean, you know, you're. I'm sure that there's something that you obviously that you have. I mean, look at it. All the people that you've worked with and the 
and your work, your body of work is incredible. Capturing, like, I looked at some, like, some of those pictures that I'm like, I know what exactly what that feels like. I know what that feels like. I know what that feels like. Yeah. And it's not like I sat there, like, going to look at that, like, you know, folder being like, I wonder how I'm going to relate to how these feelings are. It's like, mm -hmm. no, they grabbed me. It's like, I remember exactly what that feels like in a different sport. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, the ironic thing is my two favorite athletes are, are Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. <laughs> it's just, and, and I think it's, it's really, they're my favorite people mm -hmm. because of the way they approached life and the way they approached their, their, you know, their craft. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, to this day, still my my two favorites. That's amazing, yeah. And you've been around some incredible athletes yeah. in, in been, your sport, especially. I've been fortunate. I've been fortunate to be around some great. I mean, and that doesn't, you know, discount any of that. I mean, I remember watching Peyton Peyton Manny walk in a locker room as a rookie at twenty one years old, and he walked like he was a ten year veteran. <laughs> yeah. And I was yeah. like, uh, I mean, at first, my first thought was, why couldn't I have done it that way? <laughs> <laughs> did you play with brett Favre? my last year at green bay was with brett Favre. yeah, yeah, yeah. first three years uh, were with don mikowski okay. magic man the magic yeah. man yep and, what, and was then it like, I, what was it like playing in lambo man in that cold i i just can't even imagine that you know it's it's um from canada <laughs> yeah i'm from canada for one it's 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 iconic. I mean, it's iconic. Yeah. You don't even think about the cold. I mean, it's just, it's, a, you know what it is? It's a distraction that is like, okay, it's going to be cold. So what are you going to do about it? Everybody's going to be cold. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's like, I can only be responsible for what I do. Right. So. Yeah. I always, the, get, it, I, always, I always get a kick out of watching games in the, in the cold, you know, in Green Bay or Detroit when they used to be outside or, or Minnesota, then you see like San Diego or Miami going in there. <laughs> like I literally felt sorry a, for those guys. It's a different game. It's like as an Ohio State guy, it's like when people talk about SEC, it's like, well, come up in, to the north and play a game in yeah. the winter. Go for it. Right. It's a different right. game. Yeah. Well, it was uh, to me, it was – I would rather – I mean, it was – for Green Bay, it was like going to Miami to play. Yeah. And, 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 and before October, right? Right. It's like, oh man, the humidity is going to kill us. And I'd uh, much rather play in thirty below than in that stuff. Is that right? Yeah. Well, it is pretty draining. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. It, it fatigues you. I shot one game, Tony, in uh, in the old Cleveland Stadium. Mm -hmm. You know, right on the lake there. Yep. Yep. In must have been late November, December, and I think my hands are still frozen. <laughs> <laughs> 35 years what was, that, was that called memorial field yeah, memorial stadium yep. Yeah. Yep. with the uh, dog pound and yeah. i remember watching alzado play there yeah they were throwing like um like bones at yeah. I was in the, i'm like what the hell is going on <laughs> us people from ohio we have a problem I'm no that's a that's called a passion yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. i love that's hilarious I, you oh, know yeah. andy i think one of the things like you you brought up kobe and and you did as well Tony and like you've you know being you've been the Laker photographer for thirty years Lakers and Clippers. No, it's like forty. It's a four, this okay. is my fortieth season. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. But I mean, you've had like the the great fortune to like be around some of the greatest basketball players. Like you mentioned, Magic earlier, Kobe, LeBron. You know, and mm -hmm. one of the things you know, like Tony said, like Kobe is one of the greatest athletes of all time. 
And that to me, one of the sad parts about him passing is I really think he was going to promote women's sports to just an entirely different level that would have just, you know, changed. I mean, I think women's sports is finally like in some ways taking a hold, but I, I say the same thing about LeBron is, and this is a, you know, kind of a crazy statement in some ways, because in some ways he's getting close to being the goat. I, I kind of think that he is, that's an Ohio opinion, but I think what he's going to do off the court is going to be even bigger than what he does on the court. Mm -hmm. And, and maybe that's a transition to like some of the, you know, stuff that, you know, the, the mental health stuff that we're talking about, like, you know, Tony's had some really interesting people on his podcast talking about, you know, mental wellness and different Mm -hmm. stuff. And, and you as well, Andy, like, you know, you just had Kevin love on recently and maybe that's a, a question for both of you because you know, the, maybe more of the podcast world, but maybe Tony that, you know, like when you played football, like back when you played football, you had to be macho. You couldn't like reveal your feelings. And now like really sports is kind of changing in, in, I think like a really positive way where athletes are finding finally, you know, like we're human. Like this is not easy. And, and, you know, how we promote stuff, obviously, Tony, you know, like, you know, creativity yeah. is such a great way <clears throat> to help us with our mental health. And and I think, Andy, you're probably the same way because you're a photographer, like in being mm-hmm. able to talk to to athletes in this world that it, it trickles down to families and kids and dads and moms and, and how this stuff helps that what we're doing. Mm. Yeah, I think it, it I think one of the things that is key is is um is humanizing yourself if you're a pro athlete letting people you know and, and you and you can you know you can do that i mean i think you know vulner vulnerability and showing your true feelings is very important i think it was always important um i think a lot of the and it wasn't a myth it was true i think a lot of that what you had said ron that it, it was created more by fans of, you know, like these big, strong, tough guys. And, and, you know, they stuff their emotions with chemicals, whether it's steroids, alcohol, or, or whatever the case may be, anything to fill the void, not to have to hear the silence. Right. Um, but there is so much strength and vulnerability. Um, there's, a, you know, and I, and I, there's some things that I just, you know, uh, obviously, I know Ron will laugh at this. That I can be very opinionated. <laughs> no, <laughs> I know it's been said before, but I'm not afraid to express my opinion. And and Ron and I have had some great, you know, just discussions, just as as friends, as humans. Um, and I think I'm, you know, I'm a little. Well, I think I'm more biased to the goat talk to go towards MJ or, or Kobe mm-hmm. because of two reasons. Number one reason is the first two guys knew they weren't politicians. Yeah. They were athletes. And by default, you do get a certain role put upon you, or should, I should say a certain responsibility to be, you know, look, there's going to be more eyes on you. And for me, Thank God I wasn't in this era with all the cameras, right? <laughs> On the phones, right? 
I yeah. mean, any athlete makes a wrong move, you know, there's video footage or whatever. So like those guys, when I say those guys, I mean, Kobe and Michael, and I, and I say their first name, not because I know them. I've never, you know, never met either one of them. Um, to me, they're, you know, like the untouchables, like you cannot, like they are so far, like, and I don't want to say like that they're better than as far as humans, but because they are so human, it makes them untouchable mm -hmm. because it's just like, they're the total package as to me, like Reggie White was in football, that he was the total package, you know, Lawrence Taylor could have been the total package, but there was a self-destruction mechanism in there right like i had and you know there, there's like i look at tom brady right it's like like do you ever hear any news about tom brady getting in trouble in the last 20 years like you just don't hear it it's just it's because it's the way he lives mm. right so the thing i the thing that i have a problem I shouldn't say I have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it. It's it's not my problem with LeBron is he's a different era. What he did, listen, don't get me wrong, is phenomenal. The fact that he's thrown so much politics into it has really, for me, kind of made it distasteful. Mm. It's like, yes, you're definitely allowed to have an opinion, just like I am. But... It's like, it's like you got drafted to play basketball. If they wanted you to be a White House aide or a CNN anchor, they would have hired you, <laughs> you know? And I say that lightheartedly because I have nothing but a ton of respect for the guy. I never met him, but nothing but a ton of respect for the guy. What he's done is just, I mean, incredible. Uh, but again, my, you know, Michael didn't hold a press conference saying, I'm going to this, I'm going to choose this team. You know, it's like he didn't. Why? Because he didn't. He didn't have to. You know, it's yeah. kind of like that old, yeah. you know, the analogies of someone who's got money, like real money, big money. Mm -hmm. They don't tell you about how much money they have. I hear you. But I also think that in this day and age, the fact that these guys have the, these platforms that are so yeah. powerful to so many tens of millions of people um that if they can use those platforms in a way that they're raising awareness of things social justice issues mental yeah. health issues um without it being quote unquote political right so um you know tom brady when you say the full the full package see i see that as the full package you know tom brady chooses not to really use his platform for social justice issues, you know, right. I, I don't really right. religiously follow him. Yeah. Um, you know, Kobe was involved, but he was in, in, you know, the world at large, but he kind of came in at the sort of on his way out as digital yeah. and, and, and all the social platforms really started to explode. Michael didn't have that, but yet Michael took a lot of heat for not taking a political stance, especially right in the North Carolina election, remember? Yeah. Right, that, yes, you're right. That famous statement that Republicans buy sneakers too. You know? and, and I'm sure to this day he regrets saying that because you know it wasn't meant to be self-serving or political, I don't think. He just didn't want to get involved, you know? Right. So, right. Yeah.
but that's yeah, a- and, and and you're right. I mean, the you know, you, there's been so many changes with communication, like mm-hmm. media's communication, yeah. like types of communication. Um, that you know, obviously, there even like when I said like way back in the last millennium when I played, um, <laughs> you know, is that we're talking Polaroids versus you know right. histograms. It's like if, if you would have said during the Polaroid times, if you would have said the word histogram, somebody would have looked at you like you're crazy, right? They would have thought um, it was some kind of you know operation a woman has. Right. <laughs> That's a whole other story. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. It's let me. You know, I have a question, Andy. This is the question that'll probably most interest me about you specific to the Lakers mm-hmm. because of your ten. I mean, your forty years there, and because there's been some just names of names played there, and coaches, and I mean everybody. Um, what player left the most impact on you in your in your personal life? Well, I have to say Kobe more than anybody because I was with him the most. I mean, I was with him from day one of of his Laker career to the, the last day, 20 years later. You know, I tell the story where I took his first picture and I'm looking at it just beyond the screen as a rookie at 18 years old and his last picture walking off the court, you know, and right. hundreds and hundreds of thousands in between. Wow. Um, he made the biggest impact on me because I saw – I saw the transformation from a literally a teenager to, you know, a veteran who had been through a lot in his personal life. Um, He took ownership of it. He grew from it. Um, He was able to um, rebrand himself pretty much, you know, as the black Mamba. Yeah. Yeah. Did everything change his number? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And, you know, left it all on the court and, and, finally would not let an injury define when he was going to retire. And then he goes off and scores 60 points in his last game. I mean, right. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. Yeah. But what I learned from him during that period was amazing, but it, it pales in comparison to what I learned from him while we were doing our book together, because we would sit and look at pictures and he would ask for specific pictures. He would, <laughs> we were, there was one moment where we would, we were, uh, doing the chapter about like his def- defensive nemesis like five guys he played against who, who were, were his toughest defender. Sure. You know? And uh, he goes, he says, um, you remember that game, the 2003 finals is third quarter. And uh, I went baseline on Bruce Bowen. He took the bait and I dunked on his ass. <laughs> you have that picture, right? I mean, God's honest truth. And, just and knew I'm it. Like, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, I got that picture. Yeah. And keep in mind that half of his career happened in pre-digital times. So it's all right. film that has that's archived back in New Jersey at the NBA photos office. I mean, it's well archived and, and right. cataloged, but you know, it was wow. <clears throat> so he would <clears throat> excuse me, break down a photo, a nice picture of he and Jordan. And I would think it's a nice picture, you know, as a young Kobe against the, you know, his idol. Right. And he and he, he captions that picture in the book. Everything I'm doing in this photo is wrong. <laughs> and that's why he wanted it in the book, because he wanted to show people that that he learned from looking at that picture, which I had no idea. He was educating himself from dissecting my photos. You know, mm, yeah. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. It, yeah. Wild. Yeah. That, that I mean, that shows you. 
how he sees the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's constantly observing to try to improve. Yeah. Like, that's what I get out of that story. It, it, whether it's improve as a player or improve his mm-hmm. practice or whatever it is. Yeah. And one of, one of the four pillars of the Mamba mentality is curiosity. It's constant learning, curious. Yeah. You know, he would call up people like Barack Obama, John Williams, you know, Wayne Gretzky. I mean, you know, guys that were on his level of greatness, but in, you know, a different sport yeah. or a different field and just pick their brains about stuff. You know, right. I mean, it's just to me, yeah. it's so, it was so inspiring. Yeah, it's is uncommon. That some, is that somebody that you would say is inspirational to you? Like, I always love to know who inspired you guys. You know, mm. it doesn't have to be a photographer. It doesn't you know, have to be an athlete. It can be whoever. But, I mean, is that yeah. somebody you would say that is is kind of a lasting inspiration on you? Yeah, for me, for sure. And also magic. Um, you know, I learned my work ethic from two people. One was my dad because he, he worked hard. You know, he went to work every day and and, you know, worked a lot of hours and was very dedicated to his job. And the other person was magic because when, when I was a young photographer, I saw this player who would come, you know, with a lunch pail, basically every game. That's how he learned from his dad who worked two and three jobs just to keep the family fed. And his mom worked and it's the only way he knew. Yeah. It's, you know, it's Hollywood. It's showtime. He's got the big smile, but this guy came to work, you know, it could be a meaningless game and, February against Sacramento, it could be a preseason game or it could be the NBA finals game. He never took a day off. And uh, that impressed me from the beginning. Yeah. Those fun, it, it, for me, it would always boil down to the, the fundamentals, mm-hmm. the unglamorous things that are just fundamental. And they yeah. consist, the great ones consistently do it day after day. And they kind of do it in a lot of, a lot of aspects of their life, not just in their specialty, but, um, but yeah, it always comes back to when things get too complicated, remove distractions. And I do it in photography when mm-hmm. I can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. Of course, I don't let them know. I can't figure it out, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. like, I'm sitting there trying to like going, okay, I know that doesn't work. I know that doesn't work. Why is this not working? Yeah. But it's like, you know, it, it's like you figure it out. And then obviously, you know, remove a lot of the distractions, you know, and fun, go back to the fundamental and work it from there in my head, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Hmm. I, 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 there's, this is just like so badass. I just feel like I don't even need to talk. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, no. so much ground to cover, even, you know, especially on the mental health side. Yeah. And, you know, I, look, we, we can take this up at another time, but I, you know, your journey, my journey, yeah. uh, and you know, I think we have a lot, a lot of things in common there, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe we should make a part two. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we, can, we can always do that. I mean, like, again, like I do think that there is obviously like very basic connectedness, just being photographers, but, and, and how you guys inspire people in different ways. Mm-hmm. And I think that does go into the mental health issue and how, you know, like I, I think that there's pure joy and how you guys talk about what you do. And, you know, even through the hard times, like Tony, like you're, you know, for instance, talking yeah. about how like you, you grinded your way through it to like become a, a damn good photographer. And I think now that those, you know, it's that practice mentality of being an athlete, taking it to this, this level and, and really just that, that joy I think is, 
it comes through. And I think that that's important. Like, that's what I was saying to you, Andy, about like hearing, hearing, um, uh, Kevin loves podcasts. It's, you know, mm -hmm. like, I think that in some ways, like he's kind of proud of that fact that he like came out and said he has issues with anxiety and that's important. Like yeah. those things are important. Like what you and your brothers are doing on, on clubhouse, like talking about that stuff, I think is yeah. important. And, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I finally do think athletes saying it, there is a trickle down. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, like we work with veterans as well. Tony knows that. And when veterans come out and they talk about being creative and how that helps them, like that's important because mm -hmm. I always like to use the analogy. It's like, I always use Tony as an example, like walking into a room with a six foot five, huge guy that used to play offensive lineman. And then you see his beautiful photographs it gives people permission to be creative. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really, really important element. I mean, Tony has this funny story that I'll tell briefly is I Tony told this story where he was photographing a high school football game and he looked over to the right and he sees a six foot 11 guy and he realized, well, this is obviously like an athlete and it's Randy Johnson. Yeah. I was just going to bring up Randy Johnson earlier. Yeah. And, and it's like, that right. and and he said the funny part about it to me is like they didn't i'm sorry i'm stepping all over you tony but like you didn't talk about sports at all you talked about photography i love that and i yeah. love that yeah yeah, yeah. No, yeah we, we were shooting his his daughter i think went to notre dame prep here in scottsdale and uh -huh. a very good one of my best friends his son played on the football team there uh -huh. and i'm on the sideline shooting and i I, I like baseball, but I'm not a huge baseball fan, but mm -hmm. everybody knows who Randy oh, Johnson baseball, so like, There's yeah. certain people you just know who they are. Yeah, yeah. So, And I knew he was into photography, and I saw him on the sideline. And, you know, I think it was a month prior to that game, which was a few years ago now, he had got um, uh, named to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I was like, man, like, he just must get just bombarded with yeah. people. So I'm like... You know, I had a brief couple years of that. His whole life has been that, right? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not going to bother him or nothing. I mean, I, I wanted to go up and say, hey, congrats on, you know, the Hall of Fame thing. It's awesome. And, and it's, you know, well-deserved. But mm -hmm. I, I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to get in his space. He was yeah. there to enjoy what he loves to do. And mm -hmm. I respected it. And I stayed away. And the funny thing was he walked up to, he walked up to me and he goes, are you the football player guy or the guy that used to play football that has a photography studio right by here? And I, I said, yeah, I said, yeah, Randy, I, I do. He, and then, you know, he's like, uh, well, I'm Randy Johnson. I go, I know. <laughs> you know, then, it's funny. He's not the most approachable guy either. Right. You know? Right. No, he's not. Yeah. yeah. He's a little standoffish. And, yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, and he's got, a little bit of a bad rap for that but it's like you know if the guy just you know it's like it's it's kind of like splitting hairs with that you know you have a certain responsibility because of the sport or the job you took mm -hmm. but then i totally also can see the other side of it where it's like just i just want to be just normal i don't play that game anymore it's something i did but it's hard look i don't even if i saw michael jordan that might be one of the few times i break that rule <laughs> you know because i mean like you know i'll yeah. i'll be you know and i'll just walk you know just walk up and just say i just <laughs> want to be in the presence of greatness yeah, you know it is exactly. and it's true 
Uh, yeah, that is you're in the presence of greatness. And it might only come once. You, you know, you're not going to yeah. screw that up. But but Randy was eloquent. Yeah. We, we talked two minutes about, not even two minutes about baseball. And the, the little bit we did talk about was me bringing up the fact that he congratulated him on getting the thing for the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And then we started talking photography and for about the next hour we were shooting and talking and he was showing me pictures on his iPhone of his trip <laughs> to like Amsterdam and all these Norway countries and all that stuff. Yeah. And that's all we talked about. And he, he was like, I, I mean, I think he was happy to talk to somebody about something that wasn't about baseball. Yeah, there you go. Right. You know? So yeah, I remember was, when, when he came to the Diamondbacks, part of his deal was he would get two courtside seats for the Suns. And so literally right behind where I sat, first two seats next to the basket stanchion. But he had this like sort of wall, like you just, you know, don't yeah. don't look at me, don't take my picture, and God forbid, don't talk to me. <laughs> right. So it's like, okay, I got right. it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I always, it's funny because I call it the unapproachable look. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, people put that vibe out, but it's, I'll have people that I'll shoot, like they'll need, like so some local fitness person or will need something for their for their social media stuff yeah, yeah and i'll start to and i'll be like taking their picture and i'm like okay well <laughs> you got to look more like try to look more approachable just think approachable <laughs> i said yeah. think of you of this picture being on somebody's website and somebody looking at your picture saying would i send my mom to this person for business yeah that's yeah. how you got to look. You got to so be yourself, be approachable and look like you, some, somebody I would want to work with. Right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And it's funny because people are like, God, I never thought of it that way. And I'm like, well, use yourself as the acid test. Next time yeah. you go on the internet and you start searching for something that you want. I said, mm -hmm. you know, that's what you're going to do. Yeah. That's great advice. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, yeah. I, this maybe feels like a good point to like wrap up and maybe like one last, I'm, I hate this question, but like what, Andy, are you doing any books? Are you thinking of doing any more books? Tony, like what's coming up for you? Like what's, I don't want to say what, what are you looking forward to in the next five years? But like, I mean, like what's, what's next or, or, or what should we be looking for? Well, for me, I, I, I pulled back a lot of my photography. I mean, one of the, one reason was it was out of my control that the pandemic hit and all sports went away from one day to the next. And then I didn't work again from March 11th to uh, August 27th wow. when I went to the NBA bubble. But I, I pulled back on my the games that I do, and uh, <clears throat> which is great because I've been building this Legends of Sport platform you know, the podcast is in its third year. Uh, we just did our 120th podcast with Daryl Strawberry. And you want to talk about somebody yeah. reinventing themselves. They, well, yeah. you got to tune in, he Ron. He was my, he was my, oh, you trust me. He's, and what he a story. Was my guy. What a story, man. Yep. I mean, and God bless him. You know, he, uh, he's now an evangelist. You know, I mean, I learned something about everybody when I interview them, but he was, he was so great. And, um, we partnered with the LA Times, so Legends of Sport is now distributed by the LA Times on their platform as well as all the other ones, and that's my focus now. You know, forty years, forty plus years into my career, I sort of—I don't want to say reinventing myself, but I'm sort of making a left turn over here because the rest of my work life, um, I was starting to not be as as challenged creatively, um, even though I love it and it's been my living, but 
you know, I see in other opportunities here and, and other ways to kind of fuel my creative juices. So you're telling stories good. in a different way. Yeah. And do something good, you know, to have Kevin Love on and to have him talk about his battles with mental health, Jerry West before, you know, who came before him, obviously, and, and all the social justice issues that we've raised through the podcast. And um, that, I, you know, I was in the bubble when the NBA shut down because of all the social justice issues that happened and, you know, to be right in the middle of that and then be able to learn about it from the people who are actually there. Mm. That was pretty amazing. Mm. Um, so it's a learning process and I'm, you know, I'm taking a, a, a cue from Kobe and just being curious. And I've I had some great mentors and great advisors and partners. And we're, you know, we're at the next phase of, of getting legends of sport, you know, further along. So it's, a, it's exciting and challenging. Yeah, and for for you know a lot of the, it's it's a very similar. We're in a similar space. Uh, the pandemic, you know, obviously because especially in the first six or eight months of the pandemic, when not as much was known, even though a lot more is known now, and we still have more to learn. It, it obviously, we'll um, cancel a few photo shoots. Yeah, just a few. <laughs> so, so yeah. it was like those. I had some major backburner projects that were always backburner because mm -hmm. I was so busy with photography. Mm -hmm. Well, part of that was starting a podcast, which was, you know, huge help from, you know, Ron and, and abstract athlete. And um, so, I'm, you know, started that and kind of started at a, you know, a little bit slower pace than I probably would have wanted. Usually I'm like gangbusters on things, yeah. but I'm just like, I don't want to, I, I just wanted to do, I wanted to talk to people that will change people's lives, like make an impact. And it's like, maybe I'm being too picky, you know, it's like, <laughs> because I don't, I'm, and it's like, what's, what's the magic number of podcasts you should have? It's like, I don't know. It's like, all I know is people that inspire me, people that make people better at the end of the day are the people I'm interested in talking to. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then the other thing is, you know, a, a book released from 2009, just about my, my story, my life. Uh, I'm going to, I'm recording that on audio mm, and, and great. then, yeah. yep. And so I'm going to make it on, it'll be an audible book and I'm going to do the one reading it because I've always felt that, because I listen to a lot of audible books mm -hmm. and I've always felt that the author of the book, when they read it, like mm -hmm. just with voice fluctuation and just pausing and it's like, I can just feel it more. Yeah. There, are, there are some books that have made great impact on me where it wasn't the author that read it, but I've always found that the majority of the time it's the author. Mm -hmm. And I'm also adding probably two chapters to cover the last 11 years since the book came out, because there's been a lot of things that have happened in the last 11 years. Mm -hmm. Great things, like some really great things, and then some things that haven't been so great. It's basically what's happened is life has happened. Yeah. <laughs> just like just like with everybody. It's just like, but... So it's, it's kind of like just to bring people up to speed on what's going on. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that my, my personal feeling in my heart and soul is, is my, my most creative photography is yet to be done. Mm -hmm. it's, it's ahead of me. Yeah. Um, and thank God that there's not an age limit. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny you say that because um, when I got the Kurt Gowdy Award at the Hall of Fame um, a couple of years ago, Adam Silver threw a little party for a few of us who had gotten honored by the Hall of Fame from the NBA. And he threw a little party and he took me aside and he and he said to me, he said, Andy, I think your best photos are in front of you. He literally said that. 
And I said, I said, wow, that that's pretty, pretty heady stuff. But yeah, I'll I'll take the I'll take the challenge. Why not? Yeah. So coming from your boss, the ultimate boss. Uh, Yeah. um, That was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So there's exciting, you know, there's exciting things happening. Yeah, that's great stuff, man. And yeah. look how we connected through this, and right, and we have Clubhouse to thank. I think ultimately, right? Yes, so yes. Tony. We although, get- dis- although they discriminate against Android. Yes, I know. You're, oh, we're tra- <laughs> we're going to just buy you a burner phone and like send it to you. No, because you would be you would be so great on yeah. that. I mean, people would love to hear your yeah. perspective and your yeah. wisdom. Mm-hmm. And your and your story, you know, the good, bad, and the ugly, because yeah. that's what that you know. Well, life. It helps it's, people, but it's, yeah. I'm physically I'm seeing it help people like while I'm in the room with them. Yep. Like people right. are being enlightened. It's wonderful. Yeah, we're right. gonna do a room next week with uh, Doctor Sifu, who we work with. He's a traumatic yeah. brain injury doctor, talking about creativity and wellness, and Great. probably probably have maybe one of the athletes we work with but i'm not kidding tony we are going to get you a phone and send it to you because <laughs> well, yeah. i would and love to get you hopefully they'll have it hopefully they'll have it on they the will platform. i think that's the next phase yeah yeah, yeah. well yeah. I, again this like has been an absolute blast i mean i just think it's just fun to hear and it's probably fun for you guys to talk photography like just between two photographers and <laughs> I'm an amateur for, I'm just, I'm a painter. So, you know, us painters, we we're in our own little world, but I, this has been like really cool. And, you know, maybe we do do a second episode at some point in time, because I do think that there's other, you know, getting into the weeds more into the mental health stuff um, mm-hmm. is really, it's really important. And I, you know, just to say thank you to both of you for doing what you do, because I do think like you just said, Andy, like even on clubhouse, but the podcasts, both podcasts that you guys do are really truly helping people like and it i just think we are in an important time right now where people are finally being vulnerable honest and 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 i think that we do we have to thank a lot of the athletes and the veterans for that because it does trickle down because Mm -hmm. we do look up to these people and and for them to do that i think it's just it's it's really important and yeah, well, thank you, Ron, for giving the forum to, to open these discussions and, and get them out in the open. And Tony, for you being so forthcoming. And it's really been a pleasure for me, man. The connection is great. Got a lot of things in common, a lot of things yeah. to talk about, you know, after the Zoom goes away. And, yeah. uh, that's a great thing. <laughs> great thing. Yeah, and uh, thanks for it. Was a pleasure being on here with you, and then and and uh, looking at your work, and just and then ironically, two of my favorite people you've shot so many <laughs> yeah. pictures. Oh, there you go. <laughs> All right, boys. Well, great. All to right. See you. Good weekend. Great to see you guys. Have a, have a great weekend. Was really truly a, an absolute thrill having both Andy and Tony on the podcast today. Just some, you know, incredible stories and very real discussion. It honestly, it was just kind of a pleasure to be a fly on the wall. Uh, both of these men are really true trailblazers as photographers, also in how they promote and engage mental wellness through their platforms and podcasts. Again, make sure to check out Andy's site on Instagram at ABB Photo Inc. and also Legends of Sport on Instagram. Also stop by his website, adbapi.com. And again, check out Tony at Tony Mandrich on Instagram and One Man's Ethos. And also stop by his site, tonymandrich.com. 
Do not forget to listen to our other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge podcast. And you can follow all of us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thank you for listening to The Abstract Athlete Podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and our other social media outlets for future events, pop-up exhibits, podcasts, and other information, including daily creative training journals and subscription boxes. See you next time when we talk with psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner and former Notre Dame Boston University and professional basketball player Omari Peterkin. Thanks as always, and do not forget to exercise the body and do not forget to exercise the mind. Stay well out there.